The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The auction industry can be an exciting and fast-paced way that Americans and the world can convert desired items into cash. But if you don't know how it all works, it can become quite confusing. Welcome to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. In this program, you will learn how merchandisers, attorneys, estate executors, retail outlets, and the general public are using the auction system to their benefit. And you'll find out how it all works. Now, here is Ed Spencer with co-host Luke Spencer. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show this evening. It's a pleasure to have you tune in, and it's a pleasure to be with you. Uh, this evening's show, I'm here tonight uh, with Jana, my assistant, uh, responsible for a lot of my research, and uh, so we're going to be doing the show for you here tonight. Uh, Luke will be back with us next week. Uh, last week, we talked about, uh, live, I always like to have a little recap of the week before. Last week, we talked about livestock auctions, and uh, I played you some clips of some world-famous uh, champion auctioneers. And uh, so if you have any questions, uh, leftover questions or anything related to that livestock auction segment we did last week, you're welcome to call at 866-472-5790. So uh, you, don't, you can still do that and phone in a call or a question regarding last week's show. A few weeks ago, I don't know just exactly how many, three or four, we did a uh, uh, little uh, lead-in into classic car auctions. And uh, we thought we had a lot of response to that, and, and uh, uh, it's a big interest to a lot of people in the, in the United States and well worldwide. So we thought we'd hit that maybe a little more extensive this week, and uh, about classic cars and how they're sold at auction, and and uh, why and what the collectors are, what makes a car valuable, and uh, some of the of the prices that have sold, and and, and what drives that value. So uh, in our second segment, we, uh, we're going to be privileged tonight to have a, an outstanding uh, classic car auctioneer from Vanderbrink Auctions, Yvette Vanderbrink uh, out of Minnesota. She owns the Vanderbrink Auctions, and they, uh, they're well known for classic car auctions, and they've done them worldwide, and they just had a huge one here just recently out in uh, Pierce, Nebraska, which isn't very far from where we're at. So she's going to be calling in tonight and... Uh, uh, we'll be able to talk to her about her business and, and how she does what she does. And she'll give us a lot of good insight on the classic cars and how they're sold at auction and who buys them and, and uh, what drives value. Uh, I want to give you a few little, we're talking about classic cars. So obviously when it ends up and they sell, uh, their, their value is considerably more than a common car. So we're going to hit a few, uh, a little, a few of the highlights or the reasons why. Uh, classic cars bring more and, and what, what drives their value. So I'm going to get, go down the list of a little a few things that drive them, then I'll give you a list and just show you how expensive some of those cars can get. Uh, co- contributing factors that affect uh, automobiles at auction, number one is low production volume. If there's a, like back in the 60s, the muscle cars and uh, <clears throat> Corvettes and, 
and Dodge, uh, Dodge the, I guess muscle cars, Mustangs, the low production volume. If there's years where they were, there weren't many made or a specific model was made and not very many of that specific model, that, that drives, uh, obviously, the rare, the rarity. That drives the auction price, uh, and that follows right in with the next reason, rarity. If, if there's not very much of something, obviously, if it's hard to find or, and it's desirable, the, the fewer there are to, uh, to fight over, the public will fight over them. And, and by fighting over them, I mean they'll compete at public auction to drive a value, and, and some of them will get considerably uh, high. Uh, the next thing is uh, desirability. Uh, follows right in how desirable was that car when it, was, when it came out. Uh, like back in the 60s, everybody wanted a Mustang. I know I did. Never got one, but I wanted one. And uh, uh, so I remember my dad, we had a friend I remember in high school, and I think everybody can relate to this. Uh, if you're at the vintage I am, where the, the first, uh, first one in your high school got that, they got that Mustang or that Corvette, why they were pretty special. Uh, so that's demand, that's desirability. Uh, aesthetic design, even if it's time, there's, there's uh, cars that were designed back, vintage automobiles, uh, uh, back in the 50s, 60s, well, even before that, 20s, 30s, 40s on, they're designed, sometimes they, that lives on today, their uh, lines and how they were designed and uh, their, how pleasing they were to look at, the aesthetic value, and no matter what age it is. And then uh, another thing that drives is nostalgia. And uh, so uh, nostalgia is the generation effect that people associate what they drove back in their high school years or early years or different parts with a specific car until it's kind of a nostalgia fact that drives value. Sports cars, that's the next next thing. They're typically generally more expensive and uh, and uh, desirable. So obviously Corvettes, uh, those kind of cars are, uh, are very desirable. They're luxury, luxury cars and they command a higher price tag. Condition, no matter what you're selling, the condition is very important unless you're buying a, a rebuilder or what they call them builders uh, people will buy a project they'll refer to it as a builder a car that needs a lot of work or needs some work uh, they'll take it and they'll restore it and uh, either put it in the collection or put it on the market to make a profit so the condition of a vehicle if you find one that's just absolutely mint condition uh, where all the serial numbers match it's authentic it's real and, it, and no work has to be done to it that'll be your highest price uh, I mean, it'll, that'll command your highest price at public auction. But there's nothing to do. They just, an investor buys it for an investment or because he likes it or for any of the values that we mentioned previously, and he'll just uh, put it away. Uh, that's opposed to a prop to a builder, which, would, as I just said, was a car that needs some work and, and somebody's going to restore it, has the ability, the time, the dollars to restore it. Uh, next thing that, that helps the value of a car is if, they, if a car has won a, a prestigious auto show, uh, that helps the car's value if, it, if it's won a major show. Uh, then, obviously, if, if it was judged to be uh, perfect and won a show, why that uh, contributes to its value. The next thing, originality. Uh, the original mechanical components, I just referred to it a minute ago, where the serial numbers match. That means that uh, the, that car came out of the factory with those serial numbers. There wasn't, there isn't a piece taken off and replaced with a with a replacement part that would have another serial number. So if that car is original, original uh, hood, uh, everything, if there's original, then that, that uh, adds a lot of value to that car. Uh, 
as opposed to one that was uh, where a builder might have had it and then uh, and put it back together with parts that uh, well they might match aesthetically, but they might they'll be different different uh, serial numbers. They weren't original on that car. Uh, cars automatic transmissions are uh, less desirable. Uh, than, than maybe uh, manuals. Manuals back in the nostalgic, everybody liked the manual shift, manual sports car. Uh, cars that have been freshly restored or hidden away for uh, a number of years uh, make the car a show winner or a famous car. Uh, they're very, very desirable. Uh, a car that's eligible uh, to, to enter events and shows, uh, people buy those so they can take their car a lot of retired folks will buy an automobile that they can take around the world, around the United States anyway, enter it into a competition, go and watch that car and have fun that, and uh, with that car. And obviously if it wins, as I said a little bit ago, it makes it more valuable. Uh, originality of the car uh, is important in historic uh, events. Like it, it might have uh, be tied to a something that happened historical or a meaning uh, event in the United States or or in the world, that that would make a car more valuable. Uh, cars with a strong motorsports history improve on the car's desirability. If the car has won a prestigious race, the 24 Hours of Le Mans or Formula One Championship or something like that, Indianapolis 500, uh, those cars obviously carry a, a quite a bit of value uh, just because of, of what they did in, the, in their past. Uh, cars associated with famous people, they're valuable. Uh, and the uh, I know Elton John. They said had a, a, a large auction. He had a big collection in 2001, and he auctioned uh, his collection. And most most of his cars brought twice the original estimates. And uh, the only reason was because they belonged to Elton John. And uh, so that adds to the value. Uh, and let's see. So that being said, that gives you a lot of ideas of why cars uh, are valuable, why people are, uh, seek after uh, collectible automobiles. And, uh, and so now I'd like to go, uh, there's here another little interesting uh, thing of why people buy them. Some people buy them because they like them, of course, but they also buy them for investments. And a lot of vintage cars, even with the downturn we've had uh, a few years ago and the economy and different things, a lot of the good, the most sought-after cars have averaged uh, uh, 20, 21% or higher over the past five years. So that's a pretty good investment. It's, so you look at it that way, uh, not only are you getting enjoyment out owning that automobile for whatever reason or showing it, you have, a, you have the peace of mind of knowing that usually anything can change. But usually the, that, uh, that, that car will gain in value and, uh, and it's 21% is better, it's a pretty good investment today, I don't care what you're doing, so uh, that's another reason they're very, very valuable. Here we got a little uh, thing, I don't know how long we got, a little while till break here, I got time. Uh, here's uh, the the high selling, we'll go back to 1971, or see, uh, the highest, highest price cars sold, uh, I'll give you a few years here, in 71, uh, it was a 1936 uh, Bugatti Type 57S Atlantic Coupe, it brought $59,000 at Sotheby's did the auction. September 4, 72, uh, in 1933, Duesenberg, uh, Model J Victoria, cruise auction sold that. It was a $90,000 sale. Uh, and to, to give you an idea how that, the $90,000 sale back in 1972, that same automobile, that same would equip, would equivalent to, uh, uh, to $507,000 today. So uh, January 6th, uh, in, uh, 
1973 and 1941, Mercedes-Benz uh, 770 Cabriolet with cruise auctions brought 153000 That would be the same value today. That would equivalent to 812000 in 73, uh, also in 1941, Mercedes-Benz Cabriolet by the same auction company brought 176000 Now we jump get with the program. Uh, July 12th, uh, 1936, Mercedes-Benz Roadster at Christie's brought $1,450,000. April 30th of 85, in 1934, Alfa Romeo at Christie's brought $2,788,000. May 1, 1885, a 57 Austin Martin at Christie's brought three million four hundred and twenty-four thousand four ninety. Uh, June and uh, June fifteenth of eighty-six, a nineteen thirty-one uh, Bugatti Royale uh, at cruise auctions brought six million five hundred thousand dollars. That car would equivalent in today's uh, economy of thir- to thirteen million nine eighty-four six sixty-nine. Uh, November seventeenth of eighty-seven. Uh, 1931 Bugatti Royale at Christie's brought $9,800,000. In uh, May 18th of 08, uh, 1961 Ferrari uh, by RM Auctions brought $10,894,000. In May 17th of 09, a 1957 Ferrari Testarossa uh, from RM Auctions brought $12,402,500. And uh, eight, right quick, August 21 of 11, 1957, Testarossa brought 16 million 390 and uh, 19 in 2013, last year, July 12th, a 54 Mercedes Benz uh, at Bonhams, where the auctioneers brought 29 million 607,760 dollars. So that wasn't very long ago. So that that would be about the same as today's money. It shows you how they go up in price. We're going to take a little break here. We'll be back and uh, with our guest. And so uh, stay tuned. If you like classic cars, you'll like the next segments. I think we'll see you after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. If you want to know about investing in emerging and frontier markets, or if you have experience in this field but still need to know more, tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham. Gavin explores news, current trends, and insights about both categories of investing. His guest experts, along with his own knowledge, will help you stay above the line when it comes to growth potential, whether in funds or equities. He will look at what to invest in and avoid. Tune in to Emerging and Frontier Markets Investing with Gavin Graham every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. your plan going? Could you use a little help on your path to success? Why not step up and play big? Join host Chris Ruisi for a show that will help you identify the possibilities that await you. Too many people succumb to just being average when they could be exceeding average without too much more effort. It's time for you to become exceptional. Raise the bar to your success. Basically, it's time for you to step up and play big. Join Chris Ruisi every Wednesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jaina at edspencer.com. That's J-A-I-N-A at edspencer.com. And she'll make sure you have an answer as soon as possible. Now, back to Ed Spencer and Luke Spencer. Hello, everyone. Uh, we're back after the break. Uh, we were, we're talking about tonight, we're talking about classic cars at public auction, what makes them valuable and, uh, and, and why they're valuable. Uh, we have a guest, I believe, is going to call in here after a while. We want to try to talk to uh, Yvette Vanderbrink. She's a very, very well-known classic car auctioneer. And, uh, and uh, so I, we expect to hear from her a little bit, and she'll tell us about her business and a little bit about it, so that'll be uh, something to look forward to here in a little bit. We talked in the last segment about records and, and the prices of automobiles and how they equated to today's dollars. Uh, to begin, I started off the example with a ni- in 1971, where a 1936 uh, uh, Bugatti at uh, Sotheby's brought 59000 That would equivalent to $343,577 in today's value. Then the last example I gave for the before the break it was July 12th to 13, which obviously that those dollars equate to those dollars. And Mercedes-Benz 196 brought 29,607,760, which is basically exactly what it uh, would equate to in today's dollars since it's a recent sale. So uh, that makes a lot of uh, uh, a lot of fun, and uh, uh, so it gives you a little idea, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, we're going to uh, break in here. We have a caller. We'd like to introduce uh, Yvette Vanderbrink from Vanderbrink Auctions. Uh, she's a very well-known uh, uh, classic car auctioneer, and so uh, we'll hear from her and, and see what she has to say. And Yvette, are you on the line? I sure am. Okay, it's a pleasure. i uh, never met you in person. I've heard that you've got a great reputation, and uh, we appreciate you being on the show here this evening. Sure. Uh, I am Ed Spencer of uh, Ed Spencer's American Auction View, and Tonight we're talking about classic cars, and, and I know that that's right up your alley, so uh, you can uh, just like to have you elaborate a, a little bit and uh, uh, tell us kind of a little bit about your business, and, and I know you just, we're, we're located ourselves, we're located in Logan, Iowa, which okay. is about 30 miles northeast of Omaha, and, mm-hmm. I, know, and I know you just did a, a major auction in Pierce, Nebraska that got a lot of notoriety, and and uh, everybody paid. I had some friends go to it, and I think I think everybody had a friend go to it anywhere, <laughs> in, the United, anywhere in the United States. It was quite a deal, but but uh, and I'm sure it was fun to conduct that auction, and uh, you ought to be congratulated. I heard we heard everything we heard about it was it was a tremendous success, and all the news coverage, and uh, and so I bet it was fun, wasn't it? It was a lot of fun, but we also met a lot of crazy people. <laughs> really. Yeah, I had death threats. We had had to get extra security for the family, myself. Um, you name it, all the crazies came out besides all the fabulous people. Really? Yeah. That's interesting. I never heard that side of it. What yeah, were the reasons, I got what were the reasons a gun for that? on my pickup. Yeah, all kinds of fun things. 
Why, why were the, someone was upset because they didn't get a car bought or what? No, it was, be- way, it was before the auction, actually months before. And uh, when we put out our video, the initial video of opening the dealership after so many years, mm-hmm. and then we had other videos, um, email is a wonderful thing, the Internet's a wonderful thing, but it also creates, creates faceless cowards. And we had a gentleman that emailed me probably once or twice a week oh, wow. um, that giving me dates, time, and place of where he's going to kill me. And oh, wow. uh, the reasoning behind it, he never exactly uh, came to point of what it was, but what the sheriff and the higher patrol and I figured out was that he obviously had a thing with women. <laughs> <laughs> And wow. uh, needless to say, they, it was quite scary. The Heart Patrol in Nebraska, the State Patrol, took it quite seriously because oh, he knew where I was all the time. Wow. And did, told did they me ca- where did they ever I was. Catch you? Did they ever catch him? No. Um, he, they got down to uh, a date and a, Tuesday, a Tuesday night at 5 o'clock he was going to be at my house. Oh, wow. So I was outside and... I had called my local sheriff who foo-fooed it, and uh, I, about 6 o'clock I said to my son, I said, well, Johnson doesn't look like he's showing up. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, That's really scary. But uh, it kept continuing, and the family actually got threatening letters. We feel it's the same person. And uh, even two hours after we got done that night with the first day auction, I got an email from that man. And basically, I hadn't responded. You know, I just turned it in. And uh, so that time, that night, I responded, and I said, go back from the rock you crawled out from. Yeah. And uh, I never heard from again. Was he there the first day, or did he say? We don't know. All we had was an IP address. Like I said, the Internet is wonderful, and and, uh, you never know what you get at the same time. But, yeah, we had a, when you have something that large, you know, where you have all the eyes in the world on you. Yeah. You do. Well, I hope that's behind you now. You get that small, crazy guy. (laughs) And you know that even in small auctions, you always have someone that you have to deal with. Yeah, and I've had some auctions that were some classic cars, automobiles, not to the extent that you've done. Right. But but, but in an, an estate where an estate might have two or three classic automobiles and right. a lot of times a lot of times I've found that some of the family members will fight over those like uh, yeah you know, and you know daddy, that's where the auction and I'm sure you express that to your seller too is yeah. that is the best avenue because then they'll find a fair market value they can use that value on their taxes they can use that value in their estate planning or their estate settlement and so if that car bids and the family buys it back for 25 grand, that's what it is. And, yeah. it's, and everybody has a chance to bid just along with the yeah. public. And uh, it's, a fair, it's a fair way to resolve family problems. But in the meantime, you've got the son that, that says, Dad gave that to me back when, and, and it was not in writing. You know, another was yeah. in writing, and, and it's a he said, she said type of thing. So yep. 
You, yeah. You're right that, that the auctions are the best. And I've had judges finally just kind of throw up uh, their hands and say, hey, you know, I don't want to hear any side anymore. We're just going to it's going to be sold at auction and the high bidder will buy it no matter who it is. And so, That's right. And, it, and I yeah. mean, that is the fairest way to do it. And I mean, you've, we've even seen it with land. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, unless the title's in that person's name, there is no claim, and or they hold title to it, especially on vehicles and real estate, and yeah. uh, so that settles it. Kind of throw it up in yeah. the air and and bid to buy, and either it comes out of your inheritance or you write a check. That's yeah, what most that's of us do, and I'm sure that you do too. Yeah, I had one just a week ago, Saturday. It was a smaller tract, just a 40 acre tract of land, but there was. Yep. A family, and there was two sides to the family, and they were all, you know, lawyered up and whatever, and it's just the same thing, you know. We just, you know, they everybody wanted it, but when it, uh, the smoke cleared, yep. it sold. It sold to a third party, and it, you know, the sale was final. So, well, you uh, know, it comes down to where they can see the actual value by the public bidding, uh-huh. and then they can decide: Do I rather have the money, or the thing, or the land? Yeah, and yeah. so it. It puts the ball in our buyer's or our family's court so that, yeah. you know, we're just open, fair, public, you know, at auction, anything well advertised, we'll find out what it's worth that day. Every sale's different, and maybe today it's more, or look, next week it's less, but it's a fair, public thing, and it gives everybody a fair chance at buying that item, that piece of ground, whatever it is. Yeah, I like to refer to it as true price discovery. That's correct. You know, the one thing, too, is that an auction, no matter what you're selling, which the Nebraska sale proved, is it'll get you more than you expect it. You you have a price out there that said, well, I really would like to get $15,000 an acre for my land or $20,000 for that car, and you go to auction, and all of a sudden you get eighteen to 20000 an acre, or, you know, that's the only way you ever could have got that was by auction. And that's, that's why auction is so fabulous. Yeah, yeah, that's why... Uh that's why it's a good it's a good business and a fabulous business to be in, and it uh, and it provides a big service. You know, you know it does provide a service for the, to find out what an item or piece of land or a car is actually worth. Uh, am problem I problem solvers? Auctioneers are problem solvers, and uh, so that's how we have to think of ourselves and how people should think of us. But um, I'm Yvette Vanderbrink. I own Vanderbrink Auctions, and I live here in Southwest Minnesota, right in that nook of Iowa, South Dakota, and Minnesota. I grew up in South Dakota, never actually came to Minnesota till I was about, oh, 18 and driver's ed, never came back till about 23, and that's how I, 23, 25, and that's how I found my husband. Oh, wow, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I live on a farm here, and oh, my dear. husband farms, we have cattle. Um, I do my auction business. I also write. I'm a published author. No oh, wow! Radio and uh, all kinds of fun things. No, that's and, great. Uh, we've been doing this for thirteen years. Have you? Well, that's yep, great. Yeah, thirteen years. But I grew up with a dad that was a car collector. And oh, is that, done is that where the in South Dakota as a dairy farmer? And pretty soon the cars overtook the cows. But growing up, my whole life revolved around tractor pulls, farming, and racetracks. And oh, wow. so Friday, Saturday, Sunday, 
all my life was a race or a tractor pull. And uh, when Dad would buy 57 Chevys was his thing, and we would always go along. So I just was a little sponge and grew up with all this stuff. And so I kind of developed into a niche with specializing in antique tractors and collector cars, gas engines. And then we also sell farm ground up here in southwest Minnesota. And uh, then we do farm sales, and, and that's primarily what we do. Um, we started out locally, and word got out that we did things a little bit differently, and now we've sold in over 14 states. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> and we're amazing. going to our 15th one this year in oh. Arkansas. Oh, really? Yeah. The... And, uh, but, yeah, we, uh, we've, we've sold some fabulous collections, and uh, it, tell you what, that's the funnest part, I think, of being an auctioneer is going in, seeing what these guys or gals or a widow or a family has, and then working in an effective way to market it, advertise it, and promote it to get them the best top dollar. Yeah. Yeah, um, we did that sale in Nebraska last year at, for the uh-huh. Lambrecht family, and I had actually heard about it six years before I booked it. Oh, really? Yes. I didn't know where it was, but I had a reporter, I work with a lot of reporters, had told me about it. Uh-huh. And he said, I told him about you because they were looking to getting ready to sell it because of vandalism. And oh, wow. And uh, so then I was over at my husband's shop. He's a diesel mechanic, too. We're too busy. That's what my doctor tells me. <laughs> you and, had uh, anyway, you had. this gal called and said, Hi, I'm Jeannie Lambrick, and I'm here to yeah. talk to you about selling my dad's cars. Yeah. You've had, and, we're going to have, I want to, you stay on the line. I've sure. got a lot to talk to you about. We're going to take just a little break and we'll be right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. What does conscious leadership mean to you? It unites organizations instead of dividing them. By exploring commonly-based business challenges, it guarantees an increase in your bottom line. Tune in to Minding Our Business, Creating a Spiritual Economy, with your host, Nadine Rogers. Each week, we'll hear from business leaders and learn from their strategies. We'll talk about personal and organizational best practices that you can learn from, and we'll hear from you. Minding Our Business airs live Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Business. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. 
are listening to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jaina at edspencer.com. That's J-A-I-N-A at edspencer.com. And she'll make sure you have an answer as soon as possible. Now, back to Ed Spencer and Luke Spencer. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we're, we're visiting with Yvette Vanderbrink, and uh, she's the owner of Vanderbrink Auctions in Southwest Minnesota, and her specialty, she's got a lot of specialties, but uh, here late, tonight we're talking about classic cars, and, and uh, she's done a lot of those, very, very successful auctions, so that's kind of what we're talking sure. about tonight. Her Vanderbrink Auction uh, Company also sells uh, land in Southwest Minnesota and, and farm machinery sales and uh, a lot of different auctions, so she's a well-rounded auctioneer and been at it a long time, but tonight we're talking about uh, uh, these vintage cars and things it fascinates me. I wish I had a lot of them when I hear what they bring, but I but I don't. But uh, but uh, but anyway, uh, welcome back, Yvette. We you thanks bet. for talking to us tonight, and and we've been uh, to recap a little bit. Uh, she's just been she's had some experience. We had, uh, as I said in the first segment, there was a, a major auction that Yvette conducted in Pierce, Nebraska, a huge uh, collector car auction that got na- uh, nationwide or I guess probably worldwide exposure, yeah. didn't it, Yvette? Yeah. Do you have any? Did you have any bidders from? overseas or anything? We had, the first day, we had 25,000 people at the auction, and we had over 11,000 registered bidders from 25 countries. And we actually sold, we on site, we had people from about 20 countries, 23 countries on site. And we actually sold cars to South Africa, Brazil, and Australia, on site. That's amazing. You yes. said twenty five thousand attended the auction. The first day, yes. The the port the porta pot concession would have been pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we took about everything that there was in the area. I bet and you did. Between um, the golf course and us, there were about one hundred and eleven porta pots. Oh my! And you had yeah. it right out. You had it. These cars were they weren't in stored in some big climate-controlled shed, they're out in the field, right? Um, the majority of them were Shorted. out in a sh- field, and there were, well, some of them had kept, had seen their lives inside, but then the snow f- took down the building and they went outside. But what Mr. Lambrecht had done was, as he got the trade-ins, he would have his mechanic drive them out to their farm about two miles out of town and park them in the trees. And so out of our 495 vehicles that we sold, there were only really 20 that were in really good condition. Oh, my. And <laughs> the rest of them all had weathering or wear. And uh, it was really interesting because when I went to do inventory, and a lot of people don't know that, 50 of these vehicles were in four different towns and some of them as far as 700 miles away. And we had to truck them all back together. Oh, wow. Yeah. And um, when I went and did inventory on, like, the 59 Chevys in particular, there were a bunch of them that had one to five miles, and they were shot. Oh, really? They had been outside their whole life. Yeah. But that, and, uh, that but was, they still, I thought that was sad, you know. 
But, but they should, well, they would was, be they'd be classified plan, as. You know, he sold a lot of cars, uh-huh. and he kept his whole back inventory, and mm-hmm. he would never sell a trade, but he would give you a heck of a deal on a new car, uh-huh. and that's why he was able to do what he did. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> Which a, that's was just quite amazing. Unusual. <laughs> and that's well, what well, made this story go national. Yeah, it's just simply the fact that you never find. 56 brand new Chevys in one location. Oh, heavens, yeah. And the story of that was so unusual. But one of the problems, one of the biggest things, and as an auctioneer, we have to kind of have many hats, but I had grown up with this, was titling. He was still a dealer, and so we had to work with the state of Nebraska because he was a defranchised dealer, and in the eyes of Nebraska, they were still brand-new Chevrolets, and he couldn't sell them. Oh, and wow. And so we had to get an exception to state law and title them so that we could sell them. Well, did the company that he originally had the dealership with, did they have any claim to him? No? No, he was his own dealership. Oh, okay. He didn't have any, there wasn't any claim to General Motors or anything no, like that? Uh-uh. No, uh-uh. They uh-uh. had... Uh, he had lost his franchise when he retired, and mm-hmm. uh, so the franchise was gone, but the t- cars were still on the manufacturer's statement of origin, or MSO, uh-huh. and so they technically were still brand-new Chevrolets, even though they were in 1964. No, And so amazing. you can't sell a new Chevy unless you're a franchise dealer. And wow. so what we had to do... And the paperwork was the most important part and makes the cars so valuable. Any uh, collector car, if you have a paper trail or history, documentation, that's what makes it valuable. Like right now, one of the cars we're going to be selling in a few weeks is the 1919 Dodge from the movie It's a Wonderful Life. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, we actually have documentation that shows that that was from Century whatever, that old MGM, you know, (laughs) movie theater. Mm -hmm. Sure. And uh, so that history, and that's what made the paperwork so crucially important. In fact, one time when we were in a meeting, I told the state, I said, I'll go to jail before I give you my paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) That's a pretty pretty bold statement. I think they were going to for a minute. Then the guy (laughs) I was working with from a dealer from Minnesota, he goes, you bet, they will throw you in jail. Because <laughs> uh, I had it in my pickup, you know, and I said, I'm not giving it to you. We have to figure this out. And then we did, and they were, Betty Johnson, the gal that we worked with, was amazing. And it took all of, we didn't get our ruling until a week and a half before the auction. Well, then, when uh, when that many people and that many are there and online and whatever, now, getting the right title to the person and... Yeah, I mean, we did you cut everything cut? certified? We did all the correct paperwork, um, you know, like we all we always do. But um, it was we had files. He had no files, so we had to develop his files. Oh wow! And so it was, and then the titles when I got them, they were just seven rubber banded bundles, and <laughs> so I had to physically inspect and inventory every car, get every VIN, and match them to the paperwork. That's amazing. You had a lot of work, didn't you? And it took a little bit of an army and many months of me 
diving through broken windshields to kick open doors and sitting in there with raccoons and dead (laughs) animals and rust and dirt. And you got to take a lot of Claritin when you do this job. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I have it in my council in my pickup. You know, I buy it in bulk. But, (laughs) um, But it's amazing. The collector car hobby is quite an interesting hobby. Um, well, a lot of people, you know, they see it on a, well, they see a Barrett Jackson sure. show, you know, or they see a, there's a, like, there's a, what, there's an Auctions of America, or they see some right. of those, and, uh, you know, they're, that's kind of a little more glamorized. It is. I've and, gone uh, there. I know a lot of those people. Um, there are a lot of, with reserve, without reserve. Mm-hmm. It's more like, uh, I consider them kind of more like a dealer auction at an auto auction. Yeah. Um, there weren't any reserves. Really it's an auction, but it's more of a negotiation. Yeah. And they where, take, you know, if they're no reserve, they're going to sell, that's an auction. Yeah, their, their pace compared to the way I conduct an auction is extremely slow. I mean, I you, know, of, so. you know, sometimes I'll get a little frustrated when I watch TV, but I also yep. get a lot of good ideas. Yeah. And I kind of call it a dog and pony show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree with that. One but, thing that... Uh, one you know, the collector car hobby, you know, we're, we're, when we sell those old cars or those old tractors, you know, we're always selling memories. And so, like, when I talk to buyers, I talk to all the people that come to the sale, they're there for a certain vehicle or a certain item or something that triggers a memory. Maybe it's the first time they got married or, or hopefully the only time and or that first baby or yeah. first date. So you most of the time you buy memories but when you buy vehicles. Yeah, that's true. Your first car and you know there's a lot of things that trigger. Well my but, husband here buys internationals. Oh yeah. And uh, so we've got a bunch of internationals because that's his thing. He worked at an international dealership for a long time. And likes pickups and big trucks and you know, and uh, yeah. me. I have a '65 Chevelle Supersport that was one of the first cars that I horsed around in when I was younger. That's you neat. Know, not yeah, heavy really driving neat. fast is what I mean. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I you understood know, so the you're concept. buying memories. But you know, the prices on collector vehicles uh, auction is the best way to sell them because you'll find out. Who wants it the most? And in Nebraska, I mean, we we sold cars for a hundred times more than what they typically do. Oh wow! And the internet drove the pro- price by thirty eight percent. You use proxy bid too, don't you? Yes, we do. Every almost every auction, and farm sale, them. land sale, whatever. And um, we use know, them too. When you do the online and live, I, I really inc- like both at the same time, and uh, you just get more eyes, and you can tell your seller, we have done everything we can, mm-hmm. and then you bring the auction to the world, and also the world to your auction, and um, we were one of the first ones that did that up in my area here in uh, the Midwest. And oh, still yeah. one of the few that only do that do online here in the Midwest, up in my area. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, it's more getting more common, but boy, it sure is a lot more work, you know. But uh, it drives that market, and it's, yeah. it's a good thing. Well, but at the same time, even, that's where, like for me, I had to write a really good catalog. Yeah. 
because I had to tell him everything bad I saw, everything good I saw, and really elaborate on that so that we didn't have a misrepresentation. Yeah. Well, one question I got. I remember from that Lambrick auction, I put, this car is so rusty, I see no use for it. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. You you said that? I still bought it in Ohio. Or, uh, Online, well, and well, one of the questions, parts, but I yeah. physically looked at it and could see nothing of value left. Wow! In fact, I had a hard time trying to figure out what it was. Mm, that's something. Yeah, but one the, question you know, I've the got: the car hobby before, is quite we, an interesting one. Before we go to yes, before we go to break, and we can, I think we'll be a little, we'll be able to get the answer in before the break, probably. Okay. But I. One one of the questions I've got is when you give to have an auction and you book an auction and of course you you give it that much uh, notoriety and and before the auction how do you how do you keep the site secure? We have security. I mean, for like for six months or no? Uh, we talk to the sheriff and police department. Uh, we don't let anybody in there or to those places yeah. prior. We We're have gonna, videos you that had, we have to watch or yeah. can call and. We'll direct them okay. uh, because most of the time we've found that people that come early are just snoopy. Yeah, that's and true. barbecue eaters is what we kind of call them. <laughs> yeah, or pie eaters. Yeah, yeah pie we're, got, we're gonna take a little. You stay right there, you bet. We're gonna you take bet. a little break, and we'll be back here, and we'll we'll visit some more. You've okay. been very fascinating to talk to. We'll be back after the break. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. As your business grows, are you growing with it? Do you have the right balance of time, attention, work, and personal life? Take the growing pains out of growth and tune into The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel. If you are spending most of your energy managing problems rather than focusing on taking your business to the next level, our program will give you the steps you need to make sure you have everything in place for forward-thinking business leadership. The Business Edge is heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Are you a business innovator or are you just sitting on the sidelines? Tune in every week for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Host Bonnie D. Graham talks to a cross-section of the movers and shakers who are leading by example. They will share best practices and innovative ideas to keep you thinking and moving along with the best. Join us for Coffee Break with Game Changers, presented by SAP, Wednesday mornings at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. To reach the show today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to Jaina at edspencer.com. That's J-A-I-N-A at edspencer.com. And she'll make sure you have an answer as soon as possible. 
Now, back to Ed Spencer and Luke Spencer. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks for uh, coming back here after the break. It's been a pleasure uh, to have you listen to us tonight. We're visiting with Yvette Vanderbrink, uh, Vanderbrink Auctions. She owns Vanderbrink Auctions. She lives in southwest Minnesota, and uh, she conducts auctions of all kinds, uh, lots of land and uh, farm machinery sales or kind of expertise or I'll call it her expertise, or she's very well, is uh, classic car auctions. She's had some terrific uh, auctions. We just uh, were talking about the one that she had that was kind of fairly close to me. I'm, my uh, business is located just northeast Omaha, Nebraska. She had one in Pierce, Nebraska, and it was just, what did you say, 20? 25, it, about 25,000 people there the first day. That's just amazing. And then that's 10 just, to 15,000 the second day. And we've had auctions before where we've had 10,000 people, but... That was crazy. You know, when I first got up on the stage to sell, I actually took a picture with my phone, and uh, I looked out, and I was like, holy cow. And uh, then when <clears throat> we went on the History Channel stage, they had a playback TV up there and showed their camera view. And I was done selling, and my guys were finishing it up. I was doing press stuff. And uh, when I saw that, I actually started bawling. <laughs> Did you <laughs> really? It was all that hard work, sweat, and success. And, you know, when I sold yeah. the first hub, set of hubcaps for 1200 bucks, and they were ordinarily all day long, maybe $300, I knew we were going to have a good weekend. Oh, wow. And, that, you know, it's you, also it, kind of unique is with the auction method, this was a pure case as the family had questioned whether there was value there. And I remember when we were working on this, quite often they would ask, do you think there's a half a million here? <laughs> and I was like, if we do it right and advertise right and get the word out, I think, there, I, I think there's more, but we're only going to find out what they're worth at the auction. And in the end, it was $3 million. I was going to say, you probably hit the half million mark by noon. First, the or, first hour. Or the first hour, yeah. Yeah, yeah the amazing. first day was... Two million and some. Was the History Channel there? Is that what you said? Yes, uh, we had a three-hour show that night. They aired it that night—a three-hour primetime special on the History Channel. Oh wow! There's yeah, one and question. They made a show about our auction. We started filming in July, and uh, kept filming all the way through the first day, and then they put the show together, and it aired that night. And it kind of was the legacy of Mr. Lambrecht and and how he. Had his collect. It was an incidental collection too, by the way. You know, I don't really think he intended on this being a collection. Uh-huh. It's just his unique way that he did business, yeah. and it turned into, you know, a collection. And after a while, I think they started to realize, hey, we got something more than just a pack of used cars here. You know. Yeah. Well, did, and, uh, did, the his- did the History Channel contact you? Yes, it was kind of funny. I was up doing an antique tractor sale in Clara City, Minnesota, and I was sitting in my pickup looking at my lineup, deciding if I wanted to move something around. And this guy called me and said, Hi, my name's Cameron, and I'm with Discovery Channel, and we'd like to produce a show about your auction you got coming up. And I was like, Sure it is. (laughs) (laughs) And they go, Are you in your office right now? And I said, Yeah, I am. And they go, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm looking out my, I'm sitting in my driver's seat looking out my pickup to see if I need to switch some tractors around. 
while I'm eating some gas station tacos. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I talked to him for quite a long time, and one of the things that I wanted to emphasize was we're going to do our auction like we always do, uh-huh. and you need to follow with us and yeah. tell the story because I want to show how real auctioneers work. That's great. Yeah. And that was a big point that I had in this whole deal, and it was emphasized when the president of National Auctioneers Association came up to me at, uh, in Indiana at CAI, and he goes, thanks for showing the, guy, the world how real auctions work. <laughs> well, that's, I bet that made you feel good, didn't it? Yeah, and I mean, I knew him anyway, but yeah, yeah. that was quite a deal that yeah. everybody in our industry, you know, we, we got to show the world how real auctioneers work. And I mean, we're all real auctioneers, but this kind of, what, what the, how do I say it, what the, not the good old boys, but what the 80% of the auctioneers do. Yeah, you know, eighty. To, yeah. you know the the bulk of us how we hands on really work. Yeah, and uh, yeah. it was it was really fun to do that, and you know it was one of those experiences that I wouldn't change anything. I'm so grateful to have done it. Um, I was grateful that they recognized the skill that we had and the confidence that we could do this, and and uh, you know we've got other auctions coming up this year that we have one actually in a few maybe a month. It's about a month here down in Oklahoma. Uh-huh. that they're saying is probably going to be just as big. Oh, really? Yeah, and the uh, Collector Car World's pretty well, excited about it. It's a man that had bought an older salvage yard, and the city was hassling him, so he shut the doors. And we have, and they're all street rod or project stuff, but we have 200 and some pre-war, pre-World War II cars. Oh, my golly. Yeah. That'll, that'll be fantastic. And cords and Fords. And I mean, I've got cords in there. I mean, and I've got two cars in there that aren't even supposed to exist, really. And uh, so that's been kind of fun to work with. We've yeah. got a lot of really good stuff coming up this year. A huge what? antique tractor collection in Arkansas, gas engines. Mm. And, you know, it's always fun. You never know what each year is going to bring. Yeah. And mm. sometimes you about May, you know, when that winter gets long, you're like going, okay. Yeah. You can call any time, you know. I've got yeah. a I've got a couple of questions before yeah. we run out of time here. When you when you book an auction like that, do you have an advanced team that goes down? I mean, or do you go down and take up residence there for a certain amount of time to oversee things? Or I'm the or team. You, um, okay, I'm in, I, mean, I take my auctions quite personally, and I'm in charge of every aspect. So and you'll I have to have you'll have to guys that help though. But with inventory, I do it photographs I do it, the video I do it, and the marketing and advertising I do it because I customize it for each sale. But I have a group of guys that <clears throat> does help with inventory. I have a group of girls that help with all the paperwork. Um, and, uh, you know, but I do yeah. a lot of the initial I, meeting the customers. It's me. Yeah. And um, so, but, yeah, we have a group of people that off, that do help. And there's one guy with computers and, yeah. you know, we're computerized. So, that's but great. yeah, I do have a group of guys that I can that that do help. That's good. The next question I've got to get in because when they found out I was going to talk to you, they, the question is, is: Was Jay Leto at that sale? No. No. He wasn't even a bidder. He wasn't. Not well. Why? He could have been online, but we don't know with the username. But his name was not a registered bidder. 
Oh, really? I've yeah. heard people, I guess I think I've even heard people say that he was there. Or, no. Or uh-uh. he participated. I was just kind of curious. Yeah, of, well, you know. you know, we do when we do a lot of car auctions like that, the, he's always there. But I've only had his guys at our sale twice. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Well, that's yeah. It. But, that's you know, he, he buys more really, really unique stuff. Yeah. He has, you know, he's into steam. He's into real, you know, the Duesenbergs and... Yeah, you know, so, I know. Yeah. Or if he's building something, so you never really know. Um, if you have something really unusual, your odds are you will hear from his people. Yeah, well, that's interesting. Even to to you know to get somebody of his stature to inquire, I guess. It'd be yes. nice to see him show and he up. May and just, have. He uses yeah. a lot of other pe- people. He has yeah. a lot of contacts. Yeah, and so like in Indiana when we were there. Um, <clears throat> my gal come out and she goes, Man, I didn't hate those guys, those guys. And it was, uh, he used another group. And okay. then Judy had talked to him and found out that they were there for Mr. Leno. And it was the same time his guys were also over in at Lee Hartung's auction, about a hundred and some miles from where we were. Oh, wow. So had, they were doing we're both of that same weekend. Yeah. And, we're kind of uh, running out of time here, you've yeah. had, so... I loved. I tell you what, I'd like to have you on another show if you would be so kind. It's been oh, a very. I'd love to. I think, I think there's a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of questions and things that I have that I never got to, and and uh, it's very, very interesting. I know the public is just fascinated by it. So anyway, thank you so very, very much, and we'll be in contact. You can stay on the line here after we get off the air, sure. and we'll visit you a minute. But, uh, but uh, thank you so very, very much for being on the show tonight. Yeah, no problem. Yvette Vanderbrink, ladies and gentlemen, she owns Vanderbrink Auctions. She's in Southwest Minnesota. And uh, does a great job, and we're talking. We talked about classic cars. Uh, tune us, tune in next week, ladies and gentlemen. Watch the ads, and we'll uh, give you a topic of what next show will be about. But we will have uh, Yvette. She's so kind. We'll have Yvette Vanderbrink back again. Thank you very much. Thank you again for tuning in to Ed Spencer's American Auction View. Please join us again next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Ed and Luke Spencer hope to speak with you then.